emphasized is the church is Christ's church. It's God's church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's not our church. It is God's church. Now, we are blessed to be part of it. And we can say, that's the church I go to, and this is our church in some ways. But the reality is the head of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. The head of the church is God the Father. The Holy Spirit works through the church, and we are blessed to be a part of it. But because the church is God's, it means that we have to follow God's rules. We have to follow God's plan for the church. It's no good me or Pastor Phil or Pastor Andrew or uh, other friends here. Something We want to do it this way. We want to do it that way. We cannot do it the way we think is right. We have to do it the way God's word sets out. And so we've been going through the book of Timothy. Uh, the, book of, the first book of Timothy is a letter from uh, the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Is it a pastor in Ephesus? And it's helping and it's a guide to Timothy, to the church in Ephesus of how to be a church. And it's a record for us. It's God's word. God is speaking to us through this letter of Timothy, teaching us how to be a church. Now, just last week, we were moving in chapter 3 from the role of elders uh, to deacons. And we saw from Acts chapter 6 that the role of deacons came about as table servers. There was a problem within the church. And the problem was the between the Jewish and the, and the Greek widows. And they, 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 they needed a solution. And the solution was for these seven men, these seven deacons, to, to serve at the tables, to look after that practical need so that the elders, so that the apostles, so that the pastors could carry on preaching and teaching and praying and then we saw last week that Jesus is our ultimate example of a deacon. A deacon basically means a servant. And Jesus, when he came to this world, he came not to be served, but to serve. He came as a servant. He came and he showed that servant-like spirit in washing the feet of his disciples. And then hours later, he showed that servant-like attitude by shedding his blood so that our sins could be washed clean. Jesus gave his life for the church as an act of service. And so no matter our role within church life, we are to be Christ-like and we're all to be uh, a servant. But as we're thinking about uh, elders, and particularly as we're moving on to the thought of deacons, I, I read a, a little summary uh, by Mark Devner and Paul Alexander's in their book uh, called A Deliberate Church, a very helpful summary of what deacons do. And this is what they say, and this will help us as we go through the passage this morning. Deacons then serve to care for the physical and financial needs of their church. They do it in a way that heals divisions, brings unity under the word, and supports the leadership of the elders or the leadership of the pastors. Without this practical service the deacon of the deacons, the elders would not be free to devote themselves to praying and serving the word to the people. Elders need deacons to serve practically, and deacons need elders to lead spiritually. 
And so there's a beautiful complement within the church life of what uh, an elder, a pastor should be doing and what uh, the deacon should be doing. And, and because their roles are, are, are all with regard to the church, the qualification of an elder is, is very similar to the qualification of the deacon. What Paul sets out that the deacon should be like is very similar to what the elders should be like. But there's one big difference. And the big difference is this, is that the elders are told that they need to be able to teach. But the deacons don't need that gifting. That's not what their role is. And in fact, there is no giftedness in the role of a deacon. It's all about it's all about their character. That their giftedness is not what's important to God, but their character. And this is really, really telling, isn't it? Because so often nowadays we put so much emphasis on someone's giftedness. When in reality, what God sees and what's important to God is somebody's character. If someone has great giftedness in bad character, they're no good to God's kingdom. And if someone has got very little gifts but great character, they can be of great use to God's kingdom. And and so we need to see things differently as individuals and see things differently as a church and not get drawn into the notion that we need charismatic, enigmatic people that can do things because they've got great gifts and abilities. Now, what we need is people that have got great character. And so verse 8 of of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, and that's where we'll be. Have your Bibles open there. Have your devices open there. I'll just read the verses that we'll be particularly uh, looking at uh, from verse 8. It says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must be They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested. First, let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as a deacon gain a good standing for themselves and also Great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is saying, deacons likewise must be dignified. What is it to be dignified? What does uh, Paul mean there? Well, the word dignified means to be controlled, to be serious, uh, to be calm, to be someone who is deserving of respect. And so a deacon is not someone who's, who's flapping around in, in, in all upset and all excited and all over the place. No, there's someone who is controlled and, and serious and, and calm. And, and by that, they have a measure of respect. They deserve to be respected. So what does that look like? How does that, how does that work out? And I, the word I want us to think about now with regard to deacons is the word faithful. To, to be dignified within this setting of a church life, you need to be faithful. 
And what a deacon should be is someone who is faithful. And, and there's various areas particularly highlighted of where they need to be faithful. And so our first point that we're going to look at today is that they need to be faithful in what they say. A deacon needs to be faithful in what they say. And it's just there in the passage, not double-tongued. Now, now, tragically nowadays, you sometimes actually physically see people that have got a double tongue. They're tattooed all over themselves, and they've been to a cosmetic surgeon, and they've got their tongue cut, and that's not what this is meaning. This is not a physical doubled tongue. But what animal has a double tongue? A snake. Yeah. And we know snakes to be liars, don't we? That's, that's how our mind works. Snakes are not things that we look up to. We don't want someone that is double-tongued. We don't want someone who is going to be listening to you and then sharing what they've heard with somebody else. You see, a deacon has got a responsibility to, to look after people, to care for people. They need to know how things are. Just as uh, Brother Bolo was saying earlier about the welfare team. You, the people on the welfare team are not double-tongued. They're not going to hear of your challenge or someone else's challenge and then go to social media and, and share it. That's, be, that's been double-tongued. And that's not what you need within a, a, a deacon. A deacon needs to be able to listen and assimilate and not chat, and, and not gossip, and not express the private lives of others. And also, words are really important, aren't they? Often deacons are dealing with people when they are vulnerable, people when they are in difficult situations, people when they are struggling, people when they are fragile. And, and fragile hurting people it's so easy to upset them and offend them just by the wrong word. Even though you're meaning the right thing, because of the way you say it, they misinterpret it. And so deacons need to be those who are faithful in what they say, not double-tongued. But in reality, this is not just for deacons. You see, Timothy is the pastor, and he's the pastor to the Ephesians. And just a few years early, the Apostle Paul wrote a whole letter to the church at Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, Paul says this to everybody in the church, all the church family, not just the deacons. It says all the church family says that no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. You see, by what you say, by what you and I say, we can either build up the church in grace and be a blessing to one another, or alternatively, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Being faithful in what you say is a blessing to the whole of the church. Being faithful in what you say keeps you from grieving the Holy Spirit. And so just as deacons have to be faithful in what they say, we 
all need to be faithful in what we say and very careful about it. As one person said, you have two ears to hear and one mouth to speak. Let's do twice as much listening and half as much talking. And if we think about that half, it will be a blessing to us all. But then Paul moves on to his deacons and he says that there's another aspect of faithfulness. They need to be faithful in appetite and temptation. Faithful in appetite and temptation. It goes and moves from being double-tongued to not addicted to much wine. Now, one commentator said, as I was reading, and he made me smile because I thought he missed the point, but I wanted to share it. He said, because the, the, the deacons were often the ones who were pouring out the communion wine, this was a very practical point. Otherwise, they might be drinking too much of it for themselves. Now, that really misses what's going on here. You see, the word addicted here is what we need to think about. Addicted comes from overuse. Addicted comes from lack of self-control. A deacon needs to be someone who can control himself. A deacon is someone who needs not to be excessive in the use of things. The principle here is the deacon shouldn't let his personal desires take control of his life. Someone who is addicted to much wine has, has let that personal desire of wine take control of their life. And, and there are many more things that I think we need to think of nowadays. I, I don't think a deacon is someone who will be addicted to binge-watching series. Or addicted to gambling. Or, or addicted to social media. Or certainly not pornography because of the sexual element of that. And, and drugs. And, and don't come to me saying, well, some drugs are not as bad as other drugs. That medically may be the case. But when it comes to addiction, when it comes to this principle of letting a desire take control of your life, all drugs, illicit drugs in that situation, are a problem. And so as we look for deacons, we need to look for people who have got self-control. But friends, this isn't just for deacons. If we go back to Ephesians, Ephesians 5 and verse 19, it says this. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Alcohol and addictions can lead to debauchery, and we need to understand what debauchery means. And if you look it up in the dictionary, it says that debauchery is extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures and especially sexual pleasures. Getting drunk with wine can often lead to sexual immorality. But if we look at our other list that we thought of earlier, binge-watching series can lead to debauchery. Gambling, social media, pornography, drugs, they all can lead to debauchery. And, and what I think we have to think about here more is what did the, the word really mean in its original context? 
And it's an original word. It was a compound word. And it meant proper unsavedness. You see, these things, if left to themselves and unrepented of and not brought under the power of the gospel, they lead you away from God. And there's been many a person who has professed faith and started well in their profession and gambling and drink and pornography and drugs have taken them away from God. Addictions lead to debauchery. And just as deacons are told not to go down that walkway, God's children should be faithful in that area as well. And right now, if if you are claiming that, that the problem that you have in your life is not an addiction, then it could well be. And if there's something in your life that's taking up more time than what's good for it, if it's pushing God out, if it's pushing relationships out, if it is taking all your money and all your effort and all your energy, then that can well be an addiction. And you may well need help. And I would not be surprised if people here this morning are addicted to something or other. I'd be very, very surprised if that wasn't the case. There will be brothers and sisters here struggling with pornography. It's a fact. There could be people here who are on the edge of, of, of gambling and, and, and being addicted to that. And I'm not saying this to, to shake a stick at you. What I'm saying is, you need help. And this is a place to get help. Christ can free you from the bondage of sin. And the way forward is to confess, and the way forward is to, is to come to those in the church who can help. And there's a church family here who are willing to help. We're not going to judge. We're going to support. Because what God wants for his children is people to be faithful in their appetites and faithful in their temptations. And as a church, we need to help and support people in that way. Because we need the alternative, don't we? And the alternative here that was told there to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 18, was don't get involved in the excesses of life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure all of you here who are believers, all of you here are Christians, you want that, don't you? You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes there's other stuff pushing him out. And so we have to ask God to help us through the Holy Spirit to push those things out and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So just as deacons are called to be faithful in appetite and temptation, so are we all. But thirdly, the deacon is told to be faithful in money matters. Faithful in money matters. 
the, the passage there in, in, in 1 Timothy 3 goes on and says, not greedy for dishonest gain. We all know an example of a church treasurer who was greedy for dishonest gain. His name was Judas. We see what happened there, don't we? You see, someone who is in the diaconate, someone who is operating in that level, very often they are in charge of looking after the church's money. Very often they are involved in rewarding contracts for the church and, and getting services bought in. And there's a lot of capacity for underhand deals. And there's lots of capacity for just taking a little bit for themselves. And so just to put it very, very simply, a Yahoo boy would be a very unsuitable deacon. An underhand businessman would be a very unsuitable deacon because those examples, the Yahoo boy and the underhand businessman, what are they? They are greedy for dishonest gain. But there's a chorus coming, isn't there? But this is not just for deacons. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 4, that letter where Paul is pouring his heart out to the Ephesians, and in verse chapter 4, verse 28, he says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so he may have something to share with anyone that's in need. All of us here, as God's children, are called to be righteous with our dealing with money. Now, it's not wrong to earn money. It's not wrong to have money. In fact, it's right to earn money. And it's not wrong to earn more money than you need if you're going to use it wisely. And wisely, in the context of this verse, is to share it. How can we have a welfare committee here? Because some people are blessed within this church family and they're able to give money and as a church we are able to share that with others. And that's the way it works. And We thank God for that. Now, if you've been a thief, stop. Stop and repent. And, and if you are doing Yahoo, you are a thief. Yeah, You are not a businessman or a businesswoman. I am fed up to the back teeth of people purporting to be businessmen on this island. And they're not. They are thieves. They are stealing. They are scamming. And that's what it is. And as a church, if we are professing to be Christ's children, that is not what we should be doing the thief should no longer steal. And if, and if you are a Yahoo boy or girl, you will know that it's hard work. It's not easy. Th these guys have got memories filled with all sorts of lies. And if they applied themselves to some honest living, they could make a good living out of it. I'm sure they could be good, proper businessmen. And there's nothing wrong with earning money righteously. It's good, it's proper, it's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be wise with it. Now, if you are gambling, stop it. it this is the same. And, and, and I'm going to go a little bit further here. Most people on this island who are doing FX, who are doing trading, 
who are doing crypto trading, you are just gambling. Because you're not following a business model. You don't know the fundamentals. And in reality, all that you want is money quickly, cheaply. And your win is stealing from someone else who is losing. Now, if you are here and you are a genuine FX trader and you're doing it righteously, God bless you. But for most people on this island, they're not. It's gambling. We have to stop it. And we don't want the tithes of gambled money in the church offering. We don't want the tithes and the free will and the seed offering from Yahoo boys in the offering. We don't need it. But what we long for is for God's people to be faithful in money matters. And as you are faithful in money matters, God will bless you. You may not have the BMW or the Mercedes, but you will have an eternity with Christ your Savior, which outweighs anything that this world can offer. So just as the deacons are called to be faithful in money, we all are. But fourthly, we carry on. The deacons are to be faithful to the mystery. Ah, children's talk, mystery. Was it a duck? Was it a rabbit? It was a mystery. Was there three or was there four? It is a mystery. Well, this is a, a different mystery. Verse 9 of chapter, uh, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Deacons need to know what they're trusting in. Deacons need to know God's word. The Apostle Paul loves this word, mystery. He uses it six times in the letter to the Ephesians. He uses it throughout his letters. And when he uses it, he doesn't use it like a mystery, as in a mystery book that we don't ever get to understand it. That the mystery, as we see in Ephesians 6, sorry, Ephesians 3 and verse 6 is this. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Or it talks a little later of the mystery of the gospel. That the mystery that the deacons need to hold fast to is the good news. The good news that anybody can be made right with God through Jesus. And we've been thinking of some sins, haven't we? Yahoo boys can be made right with God. Dodgy businessmen can be made right with God. Addicts can be made right with God. Someone who's got the secret of pornography in their lives that's weighing them down can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Gossips can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. You see, the mystery of the gospel is the fact that God hates sin. But he hates sin so much that he made a way that we could be made right with him. And love was poured out and his only son was sent to this world. The Lord Jesus Christ came as that servant king. The Lord Jesus Christ came as the lion lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ came to be our sacrifice. Anyone here who knows God as their heavenly father knows him as God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus has made that way. Jesus has taken the punishment that you and I deserve on the cross. And that is the mystery that these deacons were to hold fast to. They needed to hold it with a clear conscience. 
a clear conscience. You see, they have to hold the faith, and holding with a clear conscience means that they live the faith. The deacon doesn't just say something, but he does something. His faith needs to be seen in their actions. What they do and who they are is driven by the fact that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. The way they conduct themselves, their actions are all because of the gospel faith that's been given to them. Deacons need to know why they are serving the church. Deacons need to know why they are serving God. And the reason they're serving the church and the reason they're serving God is the mystery of the gospel because Christ came to this world to save them for their sins. And they know there's a lost world out there. And they want that gospel message to be shared with everyone. And they're practically supporting it. And so the deacon's role isn't just about doing practical things. They need to be rooted and grounded in the gospel. They need to do that because that is a foundation that the good works come off from. But let's bring our chorus up. And what is our chorus? This is not just for deacons. If you go back to Ephesians in chapter 3, and we read this uh, passage it was from 1 to 10, Paul is teaching on what the mystery of the faith was to be for the Ephesians. He, he, he explained to them that this mystery is given to the church, it's been given to all of us. He's explained that we need to know the mystery of the gospel because it is the way of salvation. And so, friends, I think we can say it like this. If deacons need to be faithful to the mystery, the mystery of grace, the mystery of salvation, the mystery of the wonder of what God has done for us, then we all need that as well. And so I want to ask you now, each of you, do you know the mystery of the gospel? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour? Do you know the mystery and the wonder that your sins, those rotten things that you want to have hidden away, Christ Jesus took them on the cross and paid the punishment that they deserve? Do you know that for yourself? Because if you don't, you've got a huge problem. Because the only way to be made right with God is through Jesus Christ. The only way to have a relationship with God the Father is through Jesus Christ. Your sin stops you from having a relationship with God. But Jesus Christ takes your sin and nails it to the tree and makes you right with God. And so even though now you still sin and fail, when God looks at you, he looks at you through the perfect righteousness of Christ and counts you as righteous. And for all of you that know this mystery, one day the mystery will become complete in your minds because you will see Christ and you will see God because you will be there in heaven and you will have an eternity with him and you will be perfect and you will sin no more because of what Christ has done for you. Do you know the mystery of the gospel? Deacons need to be faithful to the mystery. We all need to be faithful to the mystery. Five. 
Faithful in family life. Faithful in family life. Verse 12 of chapter 1, of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, sorry. Let the deacons each be a husband of one wife, managing their own children and their households well. Very similar to the elders' qualifications, wasn't it? And we're thinking there, the husband of one wife basically is meaning sexual purity. This is what God demands of his deacons. He wants deacons to be those who are sexually pure. They don't have to be married. If they are married, it will be to one wife. If they're not married, they will be pure. They will be sexually pure. And God willing, if they are to get married, they will then be pure and they will be the husband of one wife in that situation. There is family harmony. And if a man can't manage his family, what sort of demonstration of faithfulness is that? And if he can't see that his family is taken care of, if he isn't managing his family well, how can he take care of the church? And so a deacon needs to be faithful in family life. But of course, this isn't just for deacons. Back to Ephesians in the end of chapter 5, and we see here that family life is so important to God. For you married gentlemen, this is family life for you. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's not just for deacons. It's for every Christian married man. That's your standard. That's your standard. That's what you should be doing, loving your wives like Christ loved the church. And then verse 22, the same chapter 5, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And immediately you think, well, that's difficult. Yes, it is. But it's made easier if the husband is loving you like Christ loves the church. And it doesn't say wives only submit if your husband is loving like Christ loves the church. It doesn't say husbands only love if the wives submitting. You do your loving and you do your submitting independent. You do it to God's glory because God's family life is important to God. Fathers, you've got a role. 6.4, Ephesians 6.4, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And children, verse 1 of that same chapter 6, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it goes on to explain how that's a commandment, and that's a commandment with a promise. You see, this is not the time of the sermon to go into family lives and relationships in a deep way. But this is the point. It's not just for elders. It's not just for deacons. This Family life, faithfulness in family life is for all the church. It's for all of us. You see, the point is this, family life is important to God. And God has the best plan for family life. And so just as a deacon is called to be faithful in family life, we all are called to be faithful in family life. We're going to move slightly here because I'm going to say that we need faithful females. Faithful females. Verse 11 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy reads like this. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in 
all things. Now, this verse has given a, a, a lot, rise to a lot of debate, sometimes very heated and sometimes less than godly, sadly. And, and, the, and the question that this verse raises and, 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 the, and the tension that there is, is some people say this verse is saying that ladies can be deacons. Uh, or in other words, they're saying that within the church, there is a role of a deaconess. And so some people bravely say, yes, there are deaconesses. And others bravely say, no, there are not deaconesses. And others just say, I don't know. They're not brave, those guys. They're just sat there saying, I don't know. I don't know if it's a duck. I don't know if it's a rabbit. I'll just keep my hand down. Yeah. Well, to me, as we read that passage in, in the English Standard Version, which is the one we have in front of us here, it's quite simple to conclude that Paul is not talking about deacons, deaconesses, but about the wives of the deacons. It said it very simply, didn't it? You heard it. Their wives likewise must be dignified. But the, the rub is this. There, there are some scholars who are far more competent in the original language than I am, but that's not difficult. But they're far more competent in the original language. And, and they read that and they say, well, actually, what it really says, it doesn't say their wives. It says woman likewise. And, and they, they draw that on the fact that of how Paul uses this underlying word in the rest of 1 Timothy. And then both sides of the argument, those that say that there's deaconesses and those that say that there are not, go elsewhere in the scripture to make their point. So where does that leave us uh, this morning? Well, I want to say this. The church needs faithful females. This is the headline, girls and ladies, that I want you to take away. This gentleman is what I want you to be supporting. Is the church needs ladies that are faithful in all things. The church needs ladies that are dignified, that are not slanderers, that are sober-minded. You see, ladies who, who serve the church in, in many different areas are needed by the church. And we need your gifts, we need your abilities, we need your time, we need your wisdom, we need your input. But we need it in the context of you being faithful in all things, dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded. We, we need ladies who are mature in the faith to counsel and to teach and to look out for those who are young and growing in the faith. And Titus Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 outlines that. We, we need ladies who can get alongside other ladies and help them and support them. It is totally inappropriate for a man to get alongside and close to a female and look after her spiritually, unless they're married. And there's only one husband and only one wife, and so it's only those two that can do it. And everyone else is off limits. And so we need ladies within the church family who can look out for the other ladies where that is totally inappropriate and wrong for men to do. You see, we need ladies within this church who have the obedience and the faithfulness of Mary, the mother of Jesus. When she was told what was going to happen to her, she said, yes, Lord. 
We need ladies who have the care and the love and the hard-working, faithful nature of Ruth, who left her homeland to support her mother-in-law. We need ladies with the prayerfulness of Hannah. We need ladies with the bravery and the courage of Deborah. We need ladies with the willingness to put others before their own safety, like Queen Esther. We need ladies with the ability to support the leadership and the worship of the church, like Miriam did. We need ladies who have the knowledge to teach in the right context, like Priscilla. We need ladies with the cooking skills and the serving skills of Martha. We need ladies with the wisdom and the discernment of Abigail. We need ladies with the discernment and the heart of Phoebe. And so, friends, I put it like this. Whether these ladies are formally called deaconesses or sisters is not the point. The point here this morning is what we need is them to be faithfully serving the Lord and the church. Faithfully following the footsteps of Phoebe that we read of in the end of Romans. I would that every female member of LPC were like Phoebe. And I pray that every male member of LPC would qualify as a deacon. Why? Because that's what we need as a church. But more importantly, that's what God demands of his children. He demands faithful children. And whether you have a title or a role within this church life, it's not important. Your faithfulness is now, I'm sure that's given rise to lots of questions in your minds. Zoom this evening. I think we will have some interesting conversations and interesting discussions, and I look forward to it. But that's just what I want to say on that at the moment. Just to underline the point. Faithful females and faithful males. That's what the church needs. That's what God demands. And so that just leaves us in closing a, a little bit of housekeeping. As a church, how do we look out for someone who should be elected as a deacon? How do we choose a deacon? And our last point for this morning quickly is tested and proven. Verse 10, and let them first be tested and then let them serve as a deacon if they prove themselves blameless. As a church, we need to be on the lookout for people who could be deacons. We need to observe their lives, their interactions, their families, see how they're involved with serving the church. And if they're blameless, we can consider them. And if they're blameless, let's bring them in to the diaconate. And, and, and quite often this is what happens. Someone is doing the work of a deacon before they're formally recognized. And then the recognition of giving the title of deacon or the responsibility of deacon is just saying, thanks for what you've been doing. Keep doing it to God's glory. Keep serving the Lord faithfully. And so I believe as a church and as the elders of this church, we are convinced that there are people within our church family who we should be formally identifying and getting to task as deacons because they've been quietly doing that work to date. 
they've been tested, and they've been proven. So to recap and put it together, quite simply, a deacon must be a faithful Christian. But the reality is, friends, as we've seen, simply put, we all must be faithful Christians, mustn't we? And so as we conclude this, let us strive to be faithful in all areas of life. Let us pray that the Lord raises up faithful Christians in LPC, male and female, to the honor and the glory of God's great and holy name. And let us pray that in the future we have God-honoring deacons that serve the church and serve the elders so that the word of God may increase and so that his name may be honored. Amen.